0: Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson. Coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe, smash that like. Come and join us in the chat. You see those sirens in your feed. You know exactly what that means. It's an emergency podcast of the coaching variety. And this time, we are here discussing what is currently reported So daggum widely, I have to assume, is basically on its way to being official. Luke Fickle being named the next head coach at Wisconsin. A lot to get to here because Luke Fickle, of course, with the work that he did during his time at Cincinnati, uh, leading them to. Four top twenty-five finishes, two top ten finishes, two conference championships. He was named the AAC Coach of the Year twice, a 57 and 18 record. He churned out daggum nine NFL draft picks last year. His talent evaluation, his player development, it made him a very hot commodity. He reportedly interviewed for the Michigan State job after Mark D'Antonio retired abruptly in February of 2020, but decided to stay at Cincinnati. The Notre Dame job came open. The Oklahoma job came open, but he never really got. I don't remember. I mean, we can, you know, relitigate this. Y'all can hold my feet to the fire on it, but I don't ever remember they're getting a bunch of steam on either of those outside of you know our assumption that those would be places where he is interested. So Wisconsin then has been a job that he will reportedly make the move for. Um, first, Wisconsin got Luke Fickle. Is this the is this the deal breaker for the how good a Wisconsin how good a job Wisconsin is because if you got Luke Fickle to up and leave what we thought was going to be a place where he was very comfortable to stay for a while I've got to think that this is a good reflection on the Badgers job and especially the Badgers job in the future college football landscape
2: Yeah it's it's interesting because as you mentioned Luke Fickle's been mentioned for so many jobs as a top candidate and we, we even kind of brought it up a couple of weeks ago. It was like it was kind of strangely quiet about Luke Fickle during this coaching carousel this year. And now, of course, this is when it finally happens. But like I thought Ohio State was the job, obviously, that he was ever going to leave Cincinnati. Ohio State would be the job. I thought of Michigan could be the job. I thought Michigan State at the time could be the job, and I think it almost was, but there was other stuff going on in that athletic department that kind of, you know, caused him to pass on it. I felt like Penn State was the kind of job he would leave for. I didn't know if Wisconsin would be the place but I mean it makes sense it's just now it's weird because we're gonna have a new big Ten and it's like what is Wisconsin's role going to be where is its place in this new big Ten with USC coming in with UCLA coming in with the West Division likely going away mm-hmm. like Wisconsin needed to find a coach who's can prove that he can keep them where they are and where they want to be and I think getting fickle from Cincinnati, I, that's probably, I mean, what other names are out there that Wisconsin could have gotten that you would consider to be a better hire than Luke Fickle?
3: I mean, I, the other names we, we heard associated with this at, at some time or another were uh, the Kansas coach, Lance, Lance Leipold, Leipold. uh mm-hmm. Dave Doran from NC state. Um, but I, I feel like Fickle is, I think more accomplished in, in some ways than those guys. He took Cincinnati to the playoff. They've dominated um, you know, the, the, the American conference for a while. And I, I, I think this is a really nice hire and it does make me question to chip's point, just how high they can go. Right. Because you've, you've heard about, you know, Michigan state taking one of the recruiting coordinators and sort of the, the the dealings in the back office stuff that maybe Wisconsin is not fully built out and and fully weaponized back then. Like, I want to see, you know, what does Wisconsin look like if they do go ahead and spend a lot of money on staffing, which at this point, if you're a big 10 school, there's really no excuse not What are you not, spending not that to. money on? Right. <laughs> it, exactly. So, I mean, there is a battle in this league for who can be the number four team. Right? In my mind, it's a very clear, program-wise, this year Michigan's the number one team. Program-wise, I think it's still Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State in that order, uh, but Michigan can quickly change that if they keep winning. There's a battle for number four. Will it be Nebraska if they get right because they're clearly willing to spend the money? Will it be Wisconsin? Will it be Michigan State? Like those three teams in my mind are the three truly battling for that number four spot in the Big Ten because of their willingness to spend. And I think you have to elevate Wisconsin into that conversation now because looks like they're gonna pay him what eight, nine million bucks. I think I think I saw on Twitter. So that's big time money. And then you got USC coming. Well, okay, that's fair. So the, the battle for number five.
0: Yeah. Well, that uh, was that's why they had to I mean, I like the way that you put it, Tom. I I was working on the story for cbsports.com That was one of my big things. Wisconsin had to nail this. And if they wanted to look at Jim Leonard, they, Hey Jim, I love you. I like Chris McIntosh also is a former Wisconsin player. Like the, the whole keep it in the family thing. I get it, but this is a big business decision. This is a business decision by Chris McIntosh to say, you know, while this is, is great. And we love our tradition and we love our family and our cheese and our beer and our House of Pain song from the 1990s that has somehow become a football tradition as well. Look, we don't have a lot of conference championships since 1970. There's only six of them. Barry Alvarez won three in the 90s. Brett Bielema won three in the early 2010s. And yet the division structure that Wisconsin has enjoyed has not given a free pass, but it's given you a discounted pass to a one-game opportunity to play for a conference championship. If that goes away plus the arrival of USC and UCLA in terms of competition, then just settling for anything less than a stellar hire was going to force you into the middle class after you had been kind of enjoying close to the big boy table uh, in a way that the program history was not really set up for over the long period of their Big Ten time.
2: Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, like, I I feel like one of the better ways to put this is, like, as you were mentioning, Bud, this is like, the clear statement to get to you know fourth fifth whatever you want to pick at this point but like if you're an Iowa fan a Minnesota fan an Illinois fan a Purdue fan a Michigan State fan if you're a fan of any of those schools you're not unhappy with your current situation but you're not happy to hear that Wisconsin's hiring Luke Fickle either because it's like that job just became a lot that team became a lot more difficult to beat going forward based on what he was able to do at Cincinnati because if you think about it I mean, Wisconsin's always been a development program. They get some four-star guys in there. Occasionally, they get a five-star guy, but they're not bringing in all these tremendously highly rated recruits. They're bringing them in for their system. They're developing them. Cincinnati, at its core, has been a very good recruiting group of five program, but it is still a development program at the same time. So Fickle has recruiting jobs. He's got connections in Ohio, which is still a very fertile recruiting ground for the Big Ten. A lot of very good Big Ten players come from that state. And he's got the development. He sent nine guys to the NFL. This is a very good thing for Wisconsin. Oh, and by the way, one of the nine guys that he sent to the NFL was a quarterback, Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. You've got a coach that could find a quarterback and put him in an offense that is still physical and it can still play your style, but maybe a little bit more you know, balanced and dangerous.
3: It, it's interesting because basically you're, you're getting a – a career DC who now has head coaching experience over a career DC who you think would be good at the job. Like I'm sure Wisconsin did give Jim Leonard real consideration Mm -hmm. for this job, but Luke fickle. I mean, he, since he took over for Tuberville, who was a disaster at Cincinnati, he had that four and eight year to start. Okay. Then they go 11 and two, 11 and three, nine and one, 13 and one, nine and three. I don't always love his offenses, but I think it speaks to the level of talent and development and trait, uh, seeking that they that they get like this year if you watch their offense it's not fun to watch but they have just explosive dudes on the outside who make up for I think terrible quarterback play and I don't really know that I I love their their offensive staff there at Cincinnati but the guys had to change coordinators before and has done so successfully they recruit really well he understands how to run a program and I mean I think that's thing we underrate in in coaching searches we, we think about upside but consistency also really matters here and they have consistently been like one two or three in the American constantly and you could say they have some of the best resources in that league and they do but I mean Wisconsin appears to be willing to spend so they will have some of the better resources in the Big Ten now
2: yeah like when when they made the move on Chris and they went to Leonard like it was widely assumed you know coaching waiting coaching waiting I I think they wanted, in an ideal world, I think they wanted the program to just finish really strong and for Jim Leonard to take this job and be the guy going forward. But he he didn't. Like if you look at how they finished, like it was a pretty compared to how the season started with their schedule, getting Ohio State, you know, and, and then Illinois, the loss. It's like you looked at the rest of the schedule: Northwestern, Michigan State, Purdue, Maryland, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota. Like not the most difficult path, and. The only wins, were they, they beat Purdue, which is a good win. They beat Maryland, which is a decent win, but they struggled to beat Nebraska on the road last week, had to come back. They lose the rivalry game to Minnesota. It's like the Badgers under Leonard over the second half of the season really didn't look like a much different team than what they looked like under Chris. So I think to Chris McIntosh's credit, instead of playing to what he wanted or maybe the ideal scenario or just kind of crossing his fingers, hoping for the best, he said, I, I can't take that chance.
0: To those who are joining us right now, no, this is not official, but uh, it is being widely reported. Pretty official. And and then, do you know what? It's a state job. Uh, There is a Board of Regents meeting that is reported to be held for 4 p.m. Central Time. And
3: Rittenberg just said, by the way, did you see this, Chip?
0: No, I did not.
3: He he said a 1 p.m. meeting for Fickle uh, to meet with his team
0: at Cincinnati. So it's
3: it's happening. They haven't announced it yet, but it's happening.
2: It's
0: happening. I mean, so uh, on the other side, uh, I'm not saying not, not coming up on the other side, but in a little bit, we'll get to the Cincinnati side of this, but for, for Jim Leonard, do you think that there was a chance he could have won the job on the field because there were disappointing games that maybe could have gone the other way. There were close margins that maybe could have gone the other way. You mentioned the style of play didn't look all that different on either side of the ball. Do you think that there was an opportunity for Jim Leonard to be able to do, get this done? Or do you think that uh, sort of that motivation that you mentioned for Chris McIntosh to be able to get somebody who's proven might have always existed a little bit more than I know I thought?
2: I, I think there was a chance, but like I, I, it was just a rough finish. Like you, you lost to Iowa, and you were never really competitive in that game. You need to come back late to beat a bad Nebraska team you lose at home to your rival Minnesota in the, you know, in, in, to finish the season. And it's, I just don't feel like the way that things finished, there was any reason to think like, and we talked about this on the show. Like I had heard that they were going a different direction, a couple, what was that like seven, 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it at the time. It was like, cause when they got bowl eligible, it was like, okay, maybe that's what the, maybe that's what the goal was. But clearly like, this isn't, Luke Fickle came out of nowhere, but I don't think this is a process that just started. I think Wisconsin has been, in fact, I know Wisconsin has been pretty heavily involved in talking to coaches from outside of Madison for a while.
3: I, I do think there was some chance that, that that Leonard could have got the job, obviously, um, but I think it would have to be a, a looking different on the field, which they didn't do enough of, uh, but also... I don't know what his plan was that he presented internally and whether that moved the needle for Wisconsin's athletic director. Right, like Those are questions really only he can answer and almost certainly won't answer now, uh, given that they have hired somebody else. But my guess here is that Fickle's plan was better in the eyes of the AD because that's who he made the hire for. However, what what if UCF does not make that comeback last night after choking the game away against USF? Does Wisconsin wait another, another week here? for Cincinnati to go play Tulane again in the American championship? What if Cincinnati had won that ball game? Would Wisconsin be waiting until the New Year's Six game if Fickle wanted to do that? Uh, you know, kind of makes you question. I I do think this comes down to, by the way, like, like why would you jump? Because some people in the chat are like, why would you take Wisconsin over Cincy? I mean, guys, this Whoa. is sort of what we talk about with the big two. Yeah, it's it's a 3X number in terms of, of money being brought in, in addition to all the booster stuff, which I guarantee you, Wisconsin has bigger boosters than Cincinnati does. So when you're talking about 3x the, the money you get to play with. It's really not comparable unless you're at one of these schools, like, you know, like a Clemson or something that's incredibly booster funded when, when we're talking about these non big two leagues compared to the big two and the, the, the new big 12 is certainly not uh, not in the league with the big 10. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's money. It's like, I understand
2: if you're a Cincinnati fan, you're moving to a power five conference and that's awesome because you kind of need to, and it's, it's a big deal for your program, but the big 12 and the big 10 are not the same. They're both power five conferences, but when it comes to the television money and the resources that you have, it's just not the same thing. And then also just, I mean, we've seen this with other programs. When you move to a new conference and you've kind of got a new footprint you don't really know what the future is going to be. We've seen programs get derailed. Nebraska just hired Matt Rule, its third coach since joining the Big Ten, because the co- the program has been derailed moving from the Big 12 to the Big Ten. It's kind of lost its identity. You don't know it's Cincinnati, a Midwestern school in Ohio, going to the Big 12, which is a conference that is mostly not, you know, it's it's the Plains, but it's further west, and it's Texas and Oklahoma Like You don't know how you're going to fit in there. You don't know how recruiting is going to work. If you're Luke Fickle, you know everything you've been doing recruiting-wise at Cincinnati, you can still do at Wisconsin in the Big Ten. You don't know if you'll be able to have that same kind of situation with Cincinnati in the Big 12. So your program, your blueprint, you know it's going to work. So you're going to have more money, more resources, and you already have your blueprint for success.
3: How much do you think the Cincinnati-SMU game impacted his decision here? Because like they almost lost SMU, and you look at SMU playing TCU this year, and TCU just smacked them, right? I mean, that was – it kind of makes you wonder, like, if you're Cincinnati, I think it's fairly clear that that Prater is not ready to play at a high level in the American. He's certainly not going to be ready to play at a high level, most likely, unless he takes a huge jump next year in the Big 12. I've said this often. You take the check. You take the losses that come with it, right? Ask Maryland about that and like Coca's producing today at ask West Virginia, would West Virginia rather be in the American still? No. Cause like, it's, I mean, that's basically like, you're it's not a good league anymore if you're trying to play at the highest level, but the step up in competition, like fickle star, I think would always burn kind of bright because he did take Sensi to the, to the playoff at a G five school, the only coach to have done so, but it's not crazy to think since he goes in, into the big 12 and it's all of a sudden like a seven and five type team, you know, like, do you really think that they're going to be seven and two in in the league consistently? I, I don't at least not to start.
0: Do you think that the, the fact that, um, well, actually let's, let's get to that coming up on the other side where Cincinnati is going to be moving forward and another hire that was made official uh, here on Sunday morning, Kenny Dillingham, 32 years old, Youngest head coach at the power five level. He's taken over at his alma mater, Arizona state. So we'll talk Cincinnati, Arizona state, more coaching carousel buzz
1: next. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too. With the name, your price tool from progressive. It works just the way it sounds. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So
0: what what does Cincinnati do here? We'll get to Jim Leonard in, in a little bit. That's a That's also all of a sudden... Is he, I don't know, that's a pretty uh, high, much coveted defensive coordinator, or maybe he does want to be a head coach. Um, what, what does Cincinnati do with, uh, with Fickle on the way out? Urban Meyer. Get wow. out
3: of town. Let's go. I mean, he gets to stay in Ohio. His son is already on Cincinnati's staff.
2: I want to just completely laugh it off, but...
0: Oh, no, no, no. I can't. I can't.
2: Oh, let's do it. Let's get Cincinnati fans. It would be be splashy.
0: Oh. Oh,
2: That would be incredible. I mean... I just... Would he do that, though? Would he... I mean... Like Ohio State could be open. We talked about it. Um... (laughs) Uh, wow. I don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's Urban Meyer or bust. If Cincinnati doesn't hire Urban Meyer, it's, it's a
0: failure. A failure. <laughs> Urban in the Big 12. Urban recruiting the state of Texas, which he did. Mm-hmm. Urban going to play in Orlando in road games against Big 12 foe UCF. Mm. That would be,
2: I don't think that's going to happen, but it is crazy that I can't completely rule it out. I, I don't know if, if not urban, I mean, what, what, what is Cincinnati? It's an attractive gig.
3: It's oh, going to be moving to the Power Five. I got one for you. What apparel does Sensey wear?
0: Is it Under, under Armour? Dion?
3: Dion Sanders. It's a Power Five job. I think it's a better job in Colorado until I'm proven otherwise with Colorado's spending and, and transfer. Uh, you know stuff. I could see Dion doing well at, at, at Cincinnati. I agree. It's uh, it, by the way, Cincinnati is kind of the South to me. I don't know how like how you guys feel about this time. You're Midwestern but Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's basically like so you can recruit the South from Cincinnati if you need to.
2: I mean, I saw some commenters mention Brian Hartline because like the Ohio oh, State yeah, thing clearly worked out for them. But I just wonder, like, money wise. It's like, I mean, how much is Cincinnati going to pay him? could Ohio State kind of compete because he is pretty important to what the Buck guys do. Pickle was making five million a year. I mean, like, there's no way that that they Ohio can State pay that much. Can match yeah. But that. I'm just it's if you're heartline though, do you want to leave Ohio State for that? I th- if he wants to be a head coach, I think that's a very good option to consider for sure, because we know his recruiting chops and we've seen what he's been able to do with developing these receivers because we talk about it like it's he gets plenty of talented players, and that's great. But we've seen a whole lot of talented receivers go to places and not really amount to anything. The hit rate that he has on these guys is exceptionally high. So I feel like that's a good sign, both for his recruiting acumen and his
3: coaching skill. By the way, Cincinnati uh, is not getting much buyout money from this. Have you seen this?
0: Mm-mm.
3: No. Fickle, uh, this is per an athletic article. Fickle's buyout, should he choose to leave for another job, begins at $3.5 million if he leaves before January first, twenty 2023. Like that is exceptionally cheap. cheap, and should have been a tell that uh, that like clearly like Fickle was not going to stay Cincinnati long term.
0: Tom Herman, like do we we've got kind sure, like, of like all the names of these these other coaches that ha- are not in uh, coaching right now who could step in in the a moment a moment's notice and be able to take over right away, try to start assembling the staff, try to do whatever they can to keep that early signing class together. Because we haven't seen, you know, Matt Rule was one of them, but we haven't seen, you know, a Tom Herman, we haven't seen a, a Kevin Sumlin, we haven't seen one of those other names really uh, surface yet at some one of those jobs.
2: What's Herman's relationships like with Texas high schools? I think it's fine with with, with a lot good. of them. yeah. I was, I, was I gonna say because that good. could be that could be nice just to have. these. obviously from his time at Ohio State, he's familiar with Ohio. You get him to te- in the Big Twelve. He's familiar with Texas because of his time at Texas, and his name's been popping up at a lot of jobs, so it's clear that he wants to get back in the game. So that's somebody I think you should keep an eye on to consider, yes.
0: Also, um, what was the deal with Carmelo Anthony where like he was born in New York but really raised in Baltimore, but when he went to the Knicks, it was like, oh, I'm coming home? Because Tom Herman was born in Cincinnati but moved to California at the age of six. Mm-hmm. So he was really like raised in California, but then you could at least say like, "Oh, it's so great, to, you know, come come home to Cincinnati."
2: He's got that chili in his blood.
0: <laughs> you can't ever get that chili out of your blood, uh, or your shirt. <laughs> I feel, I I don't feel bad, but you know, we're setting the bar at Urban Meyer and Dion Sanders. Yeah. Watch them come out. back. we're promoting internally.
2: <laughs> might might happen, but I mean, it's
3: it's an it's an attractive job. Yeah, like that. That's a job that is clear. It will pay. Um, I mean, what's a better job? Cincinnati or Texas Tech? Cincinnati or West Virginia? Cincinnati or Tommy Tuberville
0: would definitely say Cincinnati over well, Texas right. Tech. Right? I mean,
3: like literally, yeah. So, I think it's a quality job. Um, I would rather have Cincinnati than Colorado right now. Yes, for sure. Especially I- with, with the uncertainty uh, surrounding the Pac-12. I would rather have Cincinnati than Stanford. I would rather have, I mean, it's, it's a good job. Uh, Can they place Bill O'Brien here?
0: No, if I'm a Cincinnati fan, I'm so mad if Bill O'Brien gets rehomed. He's
2: going to get rehomed somewhere. FAU. There you go. Bang.
3: (laughs) Um, Would you take Butch Jones back? Hmm. i don't know how cincinnati fans felt about that i don't know okay because like they've been absolutely terrible but also arkansas state seems like it's kind of a mess
0: also the butch jones experience was so short yeah would you um he came in off brian kelly's coattails mm -hmm. it was like splash splash tennessee i don't think sure yeah i don't think he left enough of an impact brian kelly back to cincinnati (laughs)
2: <laughs> they're no, they're going to run him out of Baton Rouge after losing A&M.
0: Late, latest conspiracy that I loved was uh, was LSU laid down for Texas A&M to keep Jimbo around.
2: Yeah, LSU sacrificed its playoff potential to help Jimbo playing the uh, long game.
0: All right, so you mentioned uh, late, late, late into the night after, did you cash? Yeah, Bud cashed his BYU ticket. Yes. Um, late into the night after the defeat Stanford coach, David Shaw resigned. It's like about 3 AM, 4 AM on the East coast. David Shaw resigns as head coach. He's one of the most successful coaches in Stanford football history, but this season and really a, a lot of everything recently has not gone well. Um, Like who that job is not coveted
3: run the option. I mean, I think that job will be coveted because that job pays well. David Shaw was making a ton of money, right? Wasn't that I, your
0: argument why he would never quit?
3: I i just I thought we're like, getting a lot
0: of pushback on here when i was like yeah oh, man i, think I didn't out. think it,
3: i didn't think it would fire him i guess with the quit thing it was like all right like if you're really really tired of it or something which
0: no, that's it's the noble thing to do it yes. allows you to like stay good with the alumni and be able to still come back because it's like you fell on the grenade for the program be like the message just isn't getting received like it used to i need do to we
3: think this part. is a quit though like like not a firing It'll depend on how much he gets paid from this point. Out. <laughs> also like did, did the broadcast know? Cause they kept cutting to him a ton during the broadcast. He was kind of like looking up longingly at the scoreboard and uh, I, I, in hindsight, I'm like, man, I, I guess he was just kind of taking it all in, in in what he knew was going to be his last game, assuming it was a, a quit. Okay. So with Stanford as a program, right? They do have money for athletics, quite a bit of it. Uh, there are a lot of issues there though, that, I don't know. Like, should Stanford continue to play football? Like, do they want to play football in the Pac-12? I don't know. Like, I I will give credit to Pat Forty here. About a year ago on a podcast, he was like, I don't know how long Stanford's going to play football, right? And his daughter swam for Stanford on the Olympic team. Um, They have a lot of problems there that are just institutional problems. Not like criminal stuff, I'm talking about,
0: well, and they, pro- problems for big-time college football. Success. Yes, pro- like, cover yes. Three obstacles.
3: Or, yeah, 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 <clears throat> yeah. Not, not problems. Obstacles that make it almost impossible to win. Now, because now at almost every institution in the country, if you whiff on a high school kid, you can fix your whiff by going to the portal. At Stanford, you really can't. They had a good graphic on the TV last night showing all of the uh, transfer numbers per the the Pac-12 teams, and I don't even think the Pac-12 teams necessarily went all that nuts with taking transfers. Some did, but not everyone. Stanford had one transfer on the roster, and I'm pretty sure it's a kid who wanted to go to Stanford for school anyway, and then also just happened to be really good at, uh, was it Oklahoma State or Arizona State? trying to think, The, the fields kid who's one of their best players on defense. Additionally, Stanford routinely loses players to the transfer portal who have eligibility left because Stanford's grad schools do not play ball with the football program in terms of taking kids in. So if you graduate at Stanford with your undergrad degree, most schools will find some kind of master's program for you to get in, Mm -hmm. you know, basket weaving or whatever, so that you can continue to play football. The problem here is Stanford doesn't. So you routinely see some of Stanford's better players. I can't say they never play ball. Like maybe they do for a really, really special kid. But for a lot of these players who are good players, who are, 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 you know, valued elsewhere, they have to transfer out because they're not getting in to grad school at Stanford. It's also a program that has been rocked and they've made some improvements on this, but not enough by the early signing period. David Shaw, if you want to go back six or seven years ago now to like 2015, 2016, when I think we were all, you know, writing at the time more Shaw, like when when we wrote articles on what coaches said about the early signing period proposal, who was the guy who was the most vocal in opposition? It was always David Shaw because he knew Stanford would be cooked if they passed this thing, because they don't offer admission to kids early enough. Oftentimes, the, like the actual stamp of, hey, you're in, doesn't come until after the early signing period, and kids are just simply not willing to wait for that. Now, they've made some improvements. They're playing ball a little bit more there. It's also a thing where like, assistant pay, I, I think, is something they're going to have to look at, and then the cost of housing as well in the Bay Area is exorbitant. So you may have good coordinators and good head coach, but how much do you have to pay a guy? We, we talked about this with Lincoln Riley, right? Would, would USC step up and pay your your video guy or your analyst you want to bring in? Can you pay him 140 as opposed to 60 Because, I mean, like a, a decent house in the Bay Area is like well over a million, right? So uh, there's a lot of issues there.
2: Does Stanford own homes, though, in the area that they do? They do, do own them? some, yeah. yeah. Um, I could think of a coach who's had a lot of success running a program that has very strict – eligibility requirements and cannot accept transfers his name is jeff munkin mm. run the damn triple stanford do it run the smart man's offense
3: what about willie fritz hire willie fritz a more yeah. modern triple i mean if you wanted to um yeah i think the triple could work there but we also need to redefine work is work like make a bowl I mean, I, I think unless they in the transfer portal era. Also, I don't think Stanford does a whole lot with the NIL, at least not what I've told, what I've been told. Maybe they, uh, maybe they step it up there because they have so many rich alumni, but they don't really seem inclined to do that so far. I guess. I mean, not unless you have a patent.
0: You think Chris Peterson would jump back into the Pac-12? I don't. I
2: I won't be surprised if Chris Peterson returns to coaching. I just don't know if Stanford's where he's going to want to. Do it.
0: Seems like a good like if fit it, for the guy who kind of just wants to be a teacher.
3: I could see that. Um Bronco he, really, he didn't love all the recruiting stuff. Bronco could be interesting. Yeah. Um I kind of feel like I don't know. I, I don't want to say Bronco could do better, but maybe he could in terms of the ability to win. That could be interesting. I bet you, like, they'll get a name that we're like, eh, that's a pretty good hire. And then, ultimately, the success of the hire will largely depend on
1: how Be much the school is willing. Yeah,
3: exactly. Like, you know, would, would Nick Saban win at Stanford as it is currently comprised? What
2: about Derek Mason or Willie Taggart, two former Stanford assistants who are familiar with, you know, the what it takes there and have had coaching experience? All right, do ticket
3: sales matter in this? Because no, they don't sell tickets as it is. Right. Okay. So maybe you can hire a defensive guy like like Derek Mason. Um, but he also did not do very well at another academic spot like Vanderbilt. No, but it's Stanford's not in the SEC either. This yeah. is fair.
0: Um, staying in the Pac-12, Kenny Dillingham officially named the head coach at Arizona State, the Scottsdale native who came up through the Arizona high school coaching ranks and was even a a former Arizona State staffer. He linked up with Mike Norvell, followed Norvell to Memphis and also to Florida State, one year with Gus Malzahn in between. And Dillingham is now tasked with what is going to be uh, both a – clean up and rebuild, and then B trying to guide Arizona State to a new ceiling in a new PAC 12 that does not have USC and UCLA. And when we start to look at the future PAC 12, and as we have discussed, you know, Arizona State ceiling uh, based on, you know Bud always mentions the changing demographics, uh, you know the way that people have been moving out of California into Arizona, what do you make of Dillingham's chances to be able to arrive at his alma mater and sort of deliver on all of the romantic hopes that seem to be circling this hire?
3: I think it's possible that that he can absolutely be a home run there. It's also possible he could bomb. Like like I, of all the hires, and granted <laughs> there are no certainties in, in in coaching searches and coaching hiring, right? But I do think that this one has the widest error bars. Like I know Kenny, I think he could absolutely kill it there. It also is going to depend on what happens with the administration. I'd like to read you something here from our Arizona State 24-7 sports site, Chris Cartman, who does a tremendous job and has covered the search you know, really well. Uh, this is from November 18th. From what I've heard, ASU did not self-impose a bowl ban this year and could have done so even after Herm Edwards left. So this season would have qualified as a self-imposed bowl ban, even though ASU didn't even make a bowl. And everyone knew weeks ago ASU wasn't headed for a decent bowl and probably wouldn't make any bowl. This was entirely Ray Anderson's decision to make. As ever, Ray Anderson is the AD, by the way, who I cannot believe is still there. That's uh, that ASU's administration is kind of a clown show, in my, in my opinion. Like, they're, they're not a well-run ship. Uh, as I've reported throughout the year, ASU officials believe the program will be hit with a flurry of level one infractions. The NCAA penalty matrix for that includes a one-to-two-year competitive postseason ban unless it is mitigated level one, which is not expected to be due to violations being so numerous with so many recruits and involving the head coach was kept on the job for 15 months after the investigation began. And the penalty matrix is supposed to be for even when the violations occurred, not based on new rules or changes or interpretations, meaning like it's unlikely to be mitigated. Okay, continuing. Also, even though ASU did self impose some recruiting restrictions since late last year, including not sending Edwards or, or Pierce, that's uh, uh, the assistant coach Pierce, out at all, and not sending as many coaches out for contact and evaluation periods, ASU did not self impose as many recruiting restrictions as it could have done on contact visits, scholarship reduction evaluations, etc., And he basically just goes on, to, like, in his opinion. So they messing they, up. They, it does make me wonder, like, <laughs> how many people wanted this job, given who is still in power with this job, what might be coming for this job. But I also recall us having this conversation about Tennessee, and it worked out really well for Tennessee, and not a lot of people wanted the Tennessee job. And I was of the opinion that Danny White at Tennessee was hiring Josh Heupel to at the very minimum score a lot of points and sell some tickets until they could, you know, weather the sanctions. And they damn near made the playoff this year. if They hadn't got, you know, boat race by South Carolina. So what I know about Kenny Dillingham, young dude, hard worker, right? Like he's pretty relentless. He is somebody who's not afraid to go out and take big swings at big time recruits. Uh, I saw that Arizona state today got a $1 million NIL match thing, which is a start like, that's not going to land you a five-star unless you spend it all on one kid in, in one year. I mean, to get a five-star nowadays, you need to be thinking, you know, probably $3 million over four years type thing uh, for the NIL market. But I think he will immediately give it a really good effort in recruiting against Jed Fish at Arizona. And I, I think that they will run a fun, exciting offense and be extremely active in the transfer portal. Uh, he, If you guys don't know Kenny, uh, he was – a, a offensive coordinator slash you know coach for Mike Norvell uh, with stops at Arizona State, Memphis, and then Florida State, where he was the OC uh, last year before taking over for Dan Lanning, and they ran a really nice offense this year with a lot of transfers at Oregon. So I, I'm excited to see what he can do. I'm also just heavily doubtful that Arizona State's administration has his act together.
2: It's, it's an exciting hire in that, like you said, there's a pretty high ceiling. It's just there's also a low floor, but. At the same time, like, if you're an Arizona State fan, and I don't mean this as disrespectful, even though it's going to sound disrespectful. Sorry to Danny's friend, Herm Edwards. You went from hiring an old man who was bringing a boring-ass offense to play 17 to 13 games to hiring a young coach with an exciting offense who loves the hell out of the school, who was crying during the press conference, like – you might not win a bunch of games right away. You might go through some rough times, but at least you know you've got a coach who's interested in fixing things. And that's instead of a coach who's maybe, you know, taking a retirement gig.
0: Well, and I mean, think about the all of the hires that we've seen. Dennis Erickson, Herm Edwards. I mean, even Dirk Cutter and Todd Graham were in their 40s, almost to 50 years old at the time they took the job. I mean, this, this has been like... You know, I am not super familiar with the Scottsdale, you know, Phoenix, Tempe area, so I don't want to paint with the broad brush. But any jokes that you have about like retirement and golf and good weather and just like you know cash and checks out there, like the head coaching hires were more in line with that. This is youthful. This is energetic. This is hitting the recruiting trail. This is tapping into uh, a surging talent base of Arizona high school football and trying to make sure that the sun devils own it. This is trying to make sure that Arizona state, when you look geographically at the new PAC 12 with USC and UCLA out, like Oregon and Washington are way up there. There is no reason why you can't absolutely own sort of the Southern footprint of the PAC 12. It might take some time, might be some rough times, but, uh, but I, I, I like the hire Tom. Is it a bit that you're doing on Twitter when you say, I have no idea if it will work, but I like the hire.
2: It's a bit, but it's also a hundred percent
3: true.
0: No, it's, it's just- I like it. I like it. Okay. I wanted, I've seen it enough times that I wanted to see if there was some consistency to it. Mm-hmm.
3: Can we add one to the, to the Cincinnati thing? Sorry, if Coke needs to splice this, w- what about Dan Mullen? He has obviously coached with urban Meyer. You know, I, I feel like he knows the area pretty well. Northeast guy.
0: But we just oh, said Cincinnati is Kentucky.
3: It is, but I'm just saying,
2: it's, he's got Mississippi State roots, too. So he's, he's the perfect blend of everything that you need.
0: All right. Um, Jake Spavitol out at Texas State. That news coming while we were sitting there with you. So the open jobs right now are uh, Auburn, Colorado, FAU, Georgia Tech, USF, Stanford, UAB, Cincinnati, and Texas State.
2: I don't, know, I don't know what you guys have planned today, but can I just pose you a question? Why hasn't Hugh Freeze been announced yet?
3: Um, Can I speculate on this? Yes. I would love it if you did. I think it's because of the pushback that uh, they got for the DMs that he sent to that girl.
0: Ooh,
3: Who could have seen pushback coming on Hugh Freeze?
0: By the way, Fickle has... uh according to the athletic fickle, just told the team he's taking the job.
3: So also Barry Alvarez gave quotes uh, that like my guess is he gave them more than like a minute ago. So uh, one of the Wisconsin papers has been sitting on it said it's
0: a home run hire. <laughs> it's how about it? It's happening. It's, it's happening. So yeah. uh, if you're just joining us, yes, uh, we, we got on here, Luke fickle to Wisconsin, a very good hire for the Wisconsin badgers. Luke Fickle leaves Cincinnati after turning down that we know at least one Big Ten opportunity. And now he will be joining the conference where he played as an Ohio State Buckeye, where he spent extensive time as an Ohio State staffer and one time interim coach. And now he will become a Big Ten rival of the Ohio State Buckeyes as the Wisconsin Badgers head coach. Oh, one last thing before we get out of here. Tom, again, great idea. Where's Jim Leonard going?
2: I don't know. Um, he's probably going to be in demand for defensive coordinator jobs because he didn't do what they wanted to as a head coach, but it's hard to argue that Wisconsin's defenses haven't been great under him. Maybe he sticks in Madison. I don't know if Luke Fickle, can, their defenses aren't exactly the same. Luke Fickle's probably going to want to bring in somebody on his own, but there's going to be plenty of schools interested. And I was just thinking this is 100% pure speculation on my part. Illinois defensive coordinator Ryan Walters is still connected to the Colorado job. Who was Jim Leonard's defensive coordinator his senior year at Wisconsin? Brett Belama. Just
3: something to keep in mind. What about the uh, the Green Bay defensive coordinator job that comes open? That he he turned it down to stay in Wisconsin because he thought he was
2: going to get that job. And uh, Mm -hmm. mm,
3: there will be some some places out there that need D coordinators though. This uh, this fall, his market will be it will be robust.
0: Jim Leonard will be okay. I'm sure he's disappointed. who knows maybe when uh, you know when Ohio State runs Ryan Day out of town and Luke Fickle leaves Wisconsin for Ohio State maybe Wisconsin will come calling again for Chip Leonard (laughs) maybe that's
2: why Brian Hartline won't take the Cincinnati job
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. by the way but I'm not going to stop thinking about Urban Meyer at Cincinnati (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to think about that way too much and with that we leave you (laughs) You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at elliot 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
2: Thank you.